You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. I see you have a tea bag that you're pulling out of a teacup or mug. Correct. Because where is the tea party? Where is the tea party, Mickey? There should be there should be a, a tea party brewing in the country. I mean, we have uh, all sorts of things going wrong. Crime is rampant. Uh, yeah, the the border is open. It's like D Day. People arriving on a flotilla of rafts. Uh, we have uh, woke scandals everywhere. We have the uh, critical race theory taking over the schools. A huge fight about that. We have a neo welfare system happening. Uh, and may, we may have inflation. So normally those are that's the brew that, that much less than that started the Tea Party under the Obama administration. This is much more than that. So where is the rebellion? The Republicans seem to be drinking the sort of tea that I'm drinking, which is soothing turmeric tea. They're they're completely AWOL. And uh, I'm looking for some sort of grassroots leader to emerge to to give some form and substance to this. Uh, and I don't know who that person is. You know, there's, there's some a evidence opportunity there. There's some evidence. This isn't directly related to your question, but that turmeric is uh, it forestalls dementia. Have you read that? Um, Do you remember reading it? No, is I know it does all sorts of good question. things, and I've taken I've taken so much turmeric that I've forgotten what you've forgotten turmeric. Yeah does for you well i guess we have our answer um uh okay so wait there should be like a big rebellion and and before we get to why there isn't one uh i mean do you blame trump for there not being a rebellion is he hogging all the all the energy or the obscuring the landscape or i don't know that's an interesting theory which i hadn't thought of so that's uh that's that that could be one theory my um my theory you know the republicans are Fat and happy, they're measuring the drapes. They think it's inevitable that they retake the House, and they don't really have to do much. Now, hopefully this race in New Mexico, which they just lost, uh, despite making a big deal out of crime, uh, should be a little bit of a wake-up call. It was a heavily Democratic district, so they weren't really expected to do well, but they did very badly. Uh, But, you know, they're like Kevin McCarthy is just not the charismatic leader of a rebellion, Plus, on some of these issues, like uh, immigration specifically, they really don't aren't in tune with the base. They are chamber of commerce types who really, you know, who want to get control of the border so they can have a giant amnesty and double well, the number if, of emanation. Of even immigra- if they immigrants. were, uh, even if they were more of your mind, immigration wise, wouldn't they be happy to let Biden stew in his own juice for another few months? Well, that that seems to be. That seems to be the philosophy, but Joel Kotkin wrote a very good column that says exactly what I just said, which is there's a there's a there's a backlash brewing. So brewing, so okay. higher higher okay. higher authorities. I, than I think I, we may have gotten all the mileage we can get out of the tea metaphor, but but fine, it's brewing. Oh, uh, I'm the, sorry, I, I wasn't making I wasn't making uh, a tea metaphor. No, no, it's good. It's good. This is what people come here for. The, is the is, is, is the mind blowing my brain? The mind blowing and original metaphors. I'll be a babbling baby by the time this is through. So, uh, so what would you like to see happening? I mean, what, what, um, you, you mean people in Congress should be giving wilder speeches, or people should be marching in the streets? Well, a classic example is the is the, uh, uh, the the two issues that bug me: the immigration, uh, Biden's, uh, uh, you know, the, the immigration thing. They do they 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 do speak up 
a lot about, but um, they're not like you know they're not yelling it from the rooftops on the on the welfare part of the you know here's the lay of the land is uh, Biden has these two huge bills the infrastructure bill which is hard infrastructure and the families act which is a bunch of soft mm-hmm. uh, expansions of the welfare state including this thing to send checks to no questions asked to every parent uh, uh, $3,000 2500 sounds like kid. a political winner to okay. me and, and that you can attack that as welfare and the Republicans aren't doing that Marco Rubio is and and Mike Lee have you know are in theory the leaders of the opposition, but they're not making a big deal of it. So well, where is the leadership? How, how much this political- is the classic thing that has worked for Republicans in the past? Why not do it? How much political mileage is there to be had by attacking the sending of checks to people? People like checks. Well. People, people like welfare checks too. You can say that this is this is yeah, a, but but this the, this time it's not. Checks. But these checks don't just go to super low income right, people. Pe- That's people the political who, difference here. People who that is a political difference. But people who are working and getting people who are working for a living getting a check, or people who are working for a living period tend to resent checks sent to people who aren't working. That used to be the case. Maybe the political landscape has changed. Um, I guess. The larger issue. We always have to look for the larger issue. The larger. We're all, issue, we're I, all about the larger issue making. What is the, the larger, larger issue? issue? I'm thinking of it. There, there's a smaller issue, which is the, the Tea Party sort of threw a net over a wide variety of concerns. Uh, so that was sort of something that people could talk about instead of talking about the deficit or the constitution, you know, constitutional restrictions on the federal government. They talked about the Tea Party. Okay, uh, there's no net been thrown over this yet. Uh, the se- the larger issue is Republicans. Wait, what does that mean? There's no net pin. There's no sink. There's no no label. No single symbol that covers a, a variety of uh, a variety of substantive positions. I'm I'm I'm. Uh, Why don't you come up an with expre- one and lead the movement? It's an old expression of Senator Hollings. He was always saying, "We got to throw a net over this," uh, and mm-hmm. by that he meant the, the single defining thing that. You worked. You, think, you worked for Senator Hollings, right? So if you know, uh, I I don't know if I would if I were going to throw a net over Bob Wright. I don't think I could do that. But uh, the classic <laughs> throwing throwing a net over Jimmy Carter was the tennis courts. Okay, he's sitting there micromanaging the tennis courts while the country is falling apart. That's that was the net over Jimmy Carter. Okay, but, thanks, but are you looking for the name? Friend, of, are you looking for the to name our friend of James the, Fellows? Are you looking for a new name for a Tea Party movement? Tea Party already has yeah. a name. But the Tea Party movement is obsolete. That was all focused on the deficit and restoring the Constitution, and it was like it was like it, it was not applicable to the really to the the substance of it. It's not really applicable to the current situation. I don't think uh, anti wokeness would be the you know stop the woke madness, something like that. Okay, but that's my question. Uh, are you looking for a name better. of a party, or are you looking for a single issue that? That crystallizes this. I was thinking of the name of a party. Is an issue. I was thinking of the name of a party, and the, and I was also thinking that the larger issue is that the Republicans don't really have much to say mm-hmm. when they when they when you when it comes right down to it, they you know they, they they're still talking about tax cuts. Paul Ryan gave a speech. We have to focus on you know the tremendous achievement of of. Uh, of the Trump tax cuts, and 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 that's 
you know, that's just not going to fly. That that position is in the dustbin of history, I think. So they, they, the Republicans are stymied. They, you know, they, if they, I think if, if the child tax credit is a classic example. Why all this fuss about the child tax credit and the and the uh, decline of fertility and the need for natalism? It's sort of because it gives the Republicans something to say. If the Republicans really thought about the major issues of the day, they would be half Democrats. They would be for some sort of national health insurance or or. Some right. said they would be addressing the issue of health insurance. They wouldn't be trying to come up with little gimmicks that show, hey, we have something to say that the working class might like. So I, I guess I, the larger issue is that the, the, the Republicans don't really or just totally amorphous and meaningless at this point. They don't stand for the things Mickey stands for. Well, you you could say that they're split. OK, half of them are for amnesty. Half of them are for strict immigration control. OK. Yes. Well, that's, on that's an elite. That. That's um, probably kind of an elite grassroots split. Yes. The, uh, immigration is an elite grassroots split. On welfare, half of them have been taken in by this new, hip, young breed of conservative uh, associated with the Niskanen Center that just says, hey, uh, you know, we can we can give the we can give the dole to people and we, it will solve natalism and that all that all that Clinton era stuff about welfare reform is passe because we're going to give. A lower marginal tax rate out of poverty, you know. Well, okay, um, uh, and and they've got they've gotten to you know, the, they they've they've even penetrated the office of Rubio, who is allegedly the main opposition. Uh, it's uh, it, it just seems to me the the rhythm isn't right for some big thing now. I mean, we're just getting over Trump. And it's like, like I was thinking today, Biden is becoming to me, the Biden presidency is becoming more like background noise. And that's the way I like my presidents. This is nice. You know, I can, I can go through a whole day without thinking about him. I like that. And and the pandemic is, you know, in most parts of America seems to be ending more or less. In fact, uh, the seven day death average is down to 430, lowest it's been since March of 2020. So it's like, it just seems like a weird, you know, between like recovering from the Trump stuff and Biden really not having generated a lot of stuff yet that naturally outrages people. I mean, I know you'd say, well, give immigration time. OK, maybe in a few months it'll be a clear and present, you know, danger or something. Who knows? But like right now, it just doesn't feel right that you would have some big groundswell of energy, a whole new rebellion. It's just too soon. There may be something to that. My, my, you know, there were last, during the Tea Party, we were in, in the middle of a recession, digging our way out of a recession. So, uh. Right. I mean, we seem to be pulling out of this off. one fairly smartly. Right. Uh, if anything, there are more jobs. You know, I, I, I mean, uh, you know, apparently a fair number of people are happy to sit around and collect their checks. I'm sure you'll use this as a talking point someday in talking about another issue. But, um, uh, what's not to like? I mean, uh, what's not to like are the things. It, yeah, that the, you don't like as a policy nerd. I understand that most Americans aren't policy nerds. Well, the, I mean, the polls certainly show. For one thing, the polls certainly show that the immigration issue is killing Biden. Uh, everything else he's popular on, the immigration issue is his main vulnerability. And there's actually, uh, you know, I keep waiting for Biden to do the big about face, fire Mayorkas. 
uh, restore some sanity to the border, or at least give the impression of restoring sanity. And there is he's faced with this contradiction, which is there are all these people out of work. Wages are rising. We're, he, he's in favor of a tight labor market. He correctly thinks that's a good thing. He gave a speech about it the other day. Yet he's bringing in all these immigrants to undermine wages. Okay, so which is it? Is he for higher wages or lower wages? Uh, and there's a split in his administration, apparently, between Raimondo, who, according to Breitbart, and I, I tend to trust this account, uh, the she stiff-armed the Chamber of Commerce, which said let's double or quadruple the levels of immigration, and said, no, we should train existing Americans for the jobs that are unfilled now. Uh, and uh, and Mallorcas, who's, you know, opening the floodgates and bringing in as many people as he can as quickly as he can. So uh, there are signs of an internal split that might bear some fruit uh, on that. Uh, so I don't think it's like a—it's definitely a salient issue. It's not like people are—nobody's thinking about it. Uh, no. The, I, the I, crime I, is probably more salient, and wokeness in education has the ability to mobilize the suburbs in a way that the other issues maybe don't. Um. That reminds me, there was a piece in the uh, New York Times about uh, movements of parents around the country that are raising, that are against, uh, you know, introducing uh, systemic ideas about systemic racism into the into the uh, curriculum. And they led with this in Loudoun County, Virginia, a group of parents led by a former Trump appointee are pushing to recall school board members after the school board called for mandatory teacher training in, quote, systemic oppression and implicit bias. I just thought it was interesting that they kind of led with a tribal marker, uh, in other words, associated this with Trump. And I'm kind of wondering to what extent it is. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what the lay of uh, political opinion is on, on this issue. Have you seen, like, good polling on, like, how many parents are not wild about this kind of thing? No, but there have been uh, a few rebellions around the country. The You're saying that story linked the rebellion well, to Trump? Well, I just thought it was, a, it was a classic lead where they say in Loudoun County, Virginia, in Washington, in blah, and they, so they give three examples of this phenomenon in successive paragraphs at the beginning, but the one they put first was the one where they could say a former Trump appointee is put. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, they're, yeah. they're kind of choosing to frame it that way, it seems to me. Well, they can't give up Trump. They, uh, the, um, it, interesting, what you, what you said triggers the thought, which is, you know, people were politically, have been politically active for four years. Either side, politics has taken up an incredible amount, number of their waking hours, okay? Now they have a respite for it. We're talking about, you know, uh, you know, should Kimmy Schmidt have been, you know, part that of that? That was a Debbie bad Dunn's rap, ball? man. That was a bad it, rap. You know, okay. But, but it, it, it's an example of what a slow news day it is that it was a rap at all. Um, so at some point, people having compressed the rest of their day down to like four hours of work, they're going to realize, hey, I have all this time. I might as well be an activist uh, again at my local school board. Or so they're going to discover there's sort of a void of activism there. They have the capacity to be a lot more active politically than they than than they have been in the early Biden months. And maybe that's when the, the uh, new Tea Party would happen. Uh, just a thought. Um, so the, the 
it seems to be another notable thing about this week is that it was kind of a very bad week for Trump. Well, it depends on how you interpret it, I guess. But so, A, you've got these stories that he expects to reoccupy the White House any moment now. I think he's already got his suitcase packed. Um, secondly, his blog launched only a month ago amid much fanfare. He's pulled the plug on. Um, and then well, Facebook. Was reading it, so. Yeah, well, but, but uh, let's talk about what that means. But, but the third right. thing is, uh, you know, Facebook, uh, says they will suspend him through at least January 2023. Now, it may be good news for him because it's, I'm, I'm guessing they'll end the suspension then. And that's right at the beginning of the presidential campaign. It does keep him out of the, uh, off of Facebook through the midterms. I don't know if that's good or bad for the Democrats, honestly. But, well, um, it's it. It's it's one of those things where if I were a hack, which I am, I would write a column saying, you know, does Trump's presence in the primaries help the Democrats or the Republicans? And it's a zero sum game. It can't help both of them, really, uh, since the 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 what what matters is who controls Congress. It's a yes or no thing. Who controls the House? Uh, and uh, the, the the there are some Democrats who say, I wish we'd stop talking about Trump. It, uh, it, uh, you know, it hurt us last time. We didn't do very well in the House. Uh, we should talk about these winning issues. And, uh, there's certainly a lot of Republicans who wish Trump would go away, which he's not going to do. And their dilemma is, you know, they need Trump's voters to come out. But if Trump comes in, which he will and mobilizes his vote, he'll probably fuck it up like he did in Georgia and make it all about himself and bring in the election fraud claims and undermine people's faith in the election. So why are you asking them to vote if you don't have faith in the election? Uh, so that's their dilemma. Uh, I tend to think Republicans would be better if Trump uh, did not intervene in any particular way. Uh, but, that, you know, that's not so. You, so, that, so that's not, not going to happen. So it's, no, but the Facebook thing is non-trivial. I mean, I think more of his energy came from Twitter than Facebook, but it, it's it's uh, at least in terms of the energy he directly imparts. But, well, but all, yeah, all, yeah. I mean, I guess all, all he has to do is send the signals to the base. I don't think anybody else. I don't think. I don't think he you really mean that he's to, ru- that he's running. No, that they should either come out to vote or not come out to vote. And in Georgia, he sent both signals, and they not enough of them came out to vote, and they lost in some close races. Uh, it, it, and does the base get its news through? Uh, how does the base get its news? I guess it's through Facebook. I guess so I guess. Facebook well, I think there's still a lot of cable TV. I mean, the the uh, the more extreme part of it is OAN and Newsmax, and there's still a lot of Fox News. God, there was some stat about uh, Tucker Carlson's influence. The percentage of I think it was Republicans polled who cited him as the most important influence. Somebody was polled, most important influence. Uh, that would on, be, I think that was the punch bowl. Com- yes, uh, it was. It was. And it was a high number, okay. way above anybody else, including Sean Hannity, much to Hannity's well, chagrin, the, I'm sure. I think I think they're right. The, the, the really disturbing, and this goes to your point about how quiet the Biden years are, the really disturbing number in that canvas was that almost half, 46 or 47 percent, think that Biden is going to pass his whole big agenda, both bills, the hard infrastructure and the soft infrastructure in a big reconciliation package with only Democratic votes. Uh, and of course, that's what I'm scared of. And even, even if Manchin blocks ending the filibuster, 
he could vote for that. But yeah, but and, Biden's uh, already down lot- to a billion. He started out at two point three billion on the jobs bill, so I mean, he's already well into Republican territory here. Well, the, the, that's in the hard infrastructure bill. We don't. That's that. That's a sideshow. That's what the media focuses on. The 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 key ideological thing is the soft bill, the Families Act, which has all the money for daycare and for turning, uh, you know, millions of. Uh, millions of people into home health care workers, and it has this welfare plan that I don't like, and it's 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 as big as the other one. So it's uh, I guess the home health care thing is in the hard bill. Sorry, the um, uh, the soft bill is where he becomes the new FDR and radically expands the federal government to what end I don't know, uh, and that's the ball game. And so there, there was a ruling. The other one big thing that happened this week is the parliamentarian flushed out her ruling on how many times they can use reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And it's really complicated. But the as the last explanation I read is uh, they can do reconciliation, but in practice, in, in, they would have to start a new budget resolution every time they wanted to do another reconciliation bill. So remember when I said that there were going to be four? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably not going to happen because the flaw in the plan for the Democrats is they can't get this budget resolution out of committee. The committee split like 12-12 because there's only a 50-50 split. And if all the, and there's a rule that if it's a tie, it does, somehow it doesn't get to the floor. So that's the bottleneck. So that means Schumer's only going to have one reconciliation bill. And I don't know what the implications of that are. I mean, he could put... If you put everything in this one reconciliation bill, as this canvas poll suggests, the hard and the soft infrastructure bill, uh, does that help or hurt his chance of passage? On the one hand, there's something for everybody in the bill. On the other hand, there's something everybody hates in the bill. Mm-hmm. And you would think you'd want to break it up into little packages so you could pass each bill with a different coalition. Uh, but in this case, you know, he he's not going to get any Republican votes. He can't. Not going to build any coalition. He has to have everybody. Uh, so, I, I does, does the fact that he has to put it all in one big big bill mean that Biden really does want to deal now more with Republicans? So that takes it out. So he only has to pass the soft half in reconciliation and maybe throw in something else. Or, or is is this all really a kabuki buildup to what everybody expected all along? What the CW expects, which is the infrastructure talks break down. They pass the whole damn thing or try to pass the whole damn thing through reconciliation. And then the big issue becomes, what changes do they make to get the the 100% of Democrats on board? And uh, that's why I'm so upset that that Rubio is not making a big deal of the changes that should be made. I have a question about getting the Democrats on board. Um, So first of all, do you think Joe Manchin is basically saying, look, I can't vote for something that no Republicans vote for. You got to get the Republicans on board. In which case, like, what good is Joe Manchin? I mean, then in effect, you you might as well have 49 senators uh, and the Democrats in the Senate. Uh, and B... Well, no, because when it came to reconciliation, he voted with the Democrats. They wouldn't have had the rescue well, bill. Well, I, I, yeah, Manchin. but I'm hypothesizing that, that uh, Manchin is basically saying to Biden, I've got to have Republicans on board to have political cover in West Virginia. Maybe he's not, but I'm saying if he is saying that, he's pretty worthless. I mean, I'm just, this is just conjecture. But, but the other thing is like, can't Biden, 
put, you know, gain a little bargaining leverage with with Manchin by at least flirting with a possibility of buying off a couple of Republicans or. or I, I, well, he, he has leverage for that now with Anwar in Alaska. Uh, the you know, he is banned drilling in the Arctic Reserve there. And Murkowski makes it a big deal about how she wants to preserve drilling. And now she's in trouble and Biden can let her off the hook by allowing drilling. So she has he has, you know, Murkowski by the uh, something by the short hairs. Uh, so um, uh, there's, he, there's no way you could have finished that sentence. It would have created an was, image I actually want to contemplate. But it was hopeless. It but was you hopeless. did your best. Yeah. Um, it was the uh, Kuramashi, whatever it is, <laughs> of uh, of punditry. Um, the uh, uh, but so he is in the process of getting leverage over Murkowski. So yes, I think you're right. Huh. I mean, I was thinking maybe a nice, like, airport for Utah or something, but, uh, okay. I mean, oh, he could play buy that game. Romney. I mean, he's a politician. He's good yeah, at that. Yeah, he That's... could buy. I, well, why don't we hear more about that? I mean, Manchin is just such, you know, such an obstacle here. Because the press is assuming that the Republicans will be in lockstep. I don't. And I think they're probably wrong. Yeah, I think but, they may be. Um, uh, but again, I, 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 the, I, Trump reenters the picture because. It could be that all, you know, Murkowski fears Trump declaring jihad on her. Although, I don't know. If she got like, you know, the pipeline opened up. It would be hard for him to complain about that. Uh, there, there are. Um, I mean, Mitch McConnell there, alone cannot put the fear of God in her, I that, don't think. Right. That, are you saying that you think Republicans will break away on the filibuster vote? Because I don't think that'll happen. No, I'm not talking I think filibuster. They break away on the reconciliation vote. Right, right. Uh, but but and, uh, yeah, yeah, which is all you need for these two bills, right? Family and jobs. Yeah. It wouldn't bother me if they insisted on all they have to do to please Mickey is insist that the child tax credit checks only go to working families or to people that earn some income. The people well, who currently get them now the, should get them. They could be enhanced. It's fine. The good news for go you, Mickey, is that rarely a day goes by where I don't hear a prominent Washington politician say, what do I have to do to please Mickey? Well, that's the problem. Nobody seems to be thinking that. And like I say, even Rubio, who's supposedly the champion of restricting it to workers, isn't exactly shouting it from the rooftops. They seem to have sort of a passive view, which is, well, gee, we need some more get, to get some more people on board. Well, Show some leadership and get some more people on board. I mean, it's so, not like it's a losing issue. I don't understand it. So here's my question about uh, the Trump. Does the blog fail? What does it say about Trump? I mean, it's, you know, you could have done a decent job. I mean, obviously, you know, blogs are retro. They're, they're, they're not the path you would you would choose if you had access to your Twitter account. But there would have been a creative way of doing it. If you got really savvy social media people, there's lots of things you could have done. I mean, one thing I'm wondering is why doesn't Trump have a proxy Twitter account? Like, why right, don't they create the a blog that is nominally its own 501c3 or something or, 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 or some other corporate entity and it's technically not him and it has its Twitter account. And then he right. builds, he uses the blog to build up the Twitter account. And by the way, if you've got this many people living in fear of you, prominent politicians, uh, you know, conservative uh, pundits and so on, you should be able to get them to use their Twitter accounts to give you juice, right? I mean, there were a lot of levers at his disposal, and it just seems to me 
this reinforces my view that he's really not a very smart guy to begin with. I mean, maybe you wouldn't expect better from a guy in his 70s in terms of how you use new media, but, but he's not a very smart guy. And also, he doesn't really know a smart guy when he sees one. I mean, every once in a while, he, 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 luckily for him, winds up like with a Steve Bannon right when he needs him during the election. And Bannon does know certain things that, that can be of use to him. But by and large, he's just not a, he's just not a very smart guy. This just seems to me another, uh, you know. Well, the smart, he didn't, the smart people he found were people who hated his agenda and undermined him. So like Gary like, Cohn. So, well, uh, uh, that I mean, I, nobody argues that Gary Cohen well, is Well, that's smart, kind of I what I mean, too. I, 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 well, that that's maybe a different story. But but I, I had the sense that, you know, once he once he got into office, he was still being, in effect, manipulated by these various forces. Because, again, he's just not that with it. He's like he didn't you know, he didn't he didn't realize that these people that he's filling his foreign policy uh, staff with don't really want to serve his foreign policy agenda. I just don't think he's. I don't know. Well, I mean, how do you read the the blog? Thing? No, it's you're completely fail. right about you're completely right about Trump and his personnel choosing skills. But I wonder why that is. Is, is it just because he's an egomaniac and doesn't want anybody else smart around him because they threaten him? I don't think that. It's no, I don't bad. think. I, I think he's. I don't think he knows smart when he sees it. Uh, that's possible. I, or maybe uh, he doesn't. He. he he doesn't know smarter than him when he sees it, and that would cover a lot of people, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he 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 really he desperately needed a strong Svengali at his side, telling him. Well, he actually had him in Bannon, him. but then his ego got in the way because once Bannon started getting attention as as the great manipulator, supposedly, uh, Trump just Trump's ego couldn't bear that. But plus, but, Bannon should not have referred to Ivanka as dumb as a brick in retrospect. Um, did he do that after they won? Well, it was in the White House. He said it to uh, uh, he was quoted as saying it, but he didn't deny it. I mean, he didn't he didn't hold a press conference and say it. But I think it was the book by what's the, what's the name of the guy who claimed he camped out in front of the Oval Office for months and everybody talked to him. You know, not Michael Wolf. Yeah, my, I think it was maybe in the Michael yeah. Wolf book. But but it, Michael it, Wolf it, facts are, are not to be taken at a hundred percent. But I believe. If Biden didn't, if Bannon didn't deny it, he probably said. I don't think he, maybe he did. Maybe he did. But, um, so also the other thing is like, what about the reinstatement thing? Do you think Trump, it's it's true that as reported, he thinks there's a, oh, oh yeah, I also want to give you shit about this tweet of yours. This is related. But first, do you think, um, that, that Trump really thinks like, okay, one or two recounts and he's in the Oval Office? By August, I don't know apparently. if he's the, the question is, does he has he really bought into it himself or does he just think this is a nice story that will keep the base uh, riled up for a few more months? Um, the, I believe the Maggie Haberman piece implied that he'd really bought into it. He may be he may be so out of it now that he's really done that. Uh, the answer is, I don't know. So here's a tweet I want to give you shit about. So you you tweeted, I, I guess you were commenting um on a piece by, oh, it was by Charlie Cook, I guess, saying, look, Trump is deluded. You know, there is no basis. There's no legal basis for reinstatement. Doesn't matter what the recounts show. And then you tweet, but is it true that there's no brilliant, creative, insane law professor in the country who can come up with an argument that would allow some kind of installation of the real winner? Uh, if, if it could be proven that voting machines were hacked, 
and election stolen. I mean, Mickey, like, what's what, what are you trying to stir up here? A, I'm so happy you fell for that bait, Bob. The uh, well, that's my uh, question. What? Are you just trolling or what? No, it's an interesting question, Charlie. Obviously, what Trump's doing is insane. I had said that before. I said in the tweet after. It's an interesting legal question. Was he, Charlie Cook had a hypothetical? He said if. You could prove that George Soros and Maduro hacked the election and it was completely illegitimate. That, that's the hypothetical. Okay? It's a legal hypothetical. I'm not saying that's what happened. You could flip it. You could say if you could prove that, you know, Trump hacked his 2016 election and it was, it's 2017 and he's in power because we know from provable evidence that, uh, that, that he stole the election. Could, is the constitution, or is our judicial system really incapable of stopping that that wrong result, or do we have to live with it for four years? And yes. Charlie Cook's point was, yes. we have to live with it for four years. And I'm just, as a legal question, what the fuck does Charlie Cook know? What do I know? I would like to see some more creative legal minds say, do we really have to live with it for four years? Or can Larry Tribe come up with some uh, obscure writ of hunga-dunga, hunga-dunga that... Uh, allows the Supreme Court to uh, set things right. I, I don't know what the answer is. It's a very interesting legal question. Yeah, but I think uh, the of, answer first is... impression, and, and, and I want to toss that out there as, as, as just purely an intellectual exercise and hook uh, people like you who don't understand the difference between intellectual exercise and think, any oh, oh, I'm going to bat for Trump. Yeah, I do think you were going to bat no, for Trump. No, I wasn't. That's true. It was an interesting question. I write about things that are interesting. You could flip it. Uh, I, like I say, you could flip it. You could have – what happens if the Republicans steal the election from the Democrats? You could, but that – you can't now because it's no longer 2017. The the uh, But I'll, what would happen is the Supreme Court uh, would in the end say exactly what Charlie Cook is saying. Even this fairly conservative Supreme Court ruling on a case involving Trump would say – they would come up with a reason to say, look, once Congress has certified it, you're done because they realize you just, it just has to be like that. It, it's, 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 you know, as a practical mm-hmm. matter, you can't start incentivizing, uh, people to be trying to, to recount votes forever in every election. That's what we thought about. That's what we thought in, in Gore versus, versus Gore, where, it, I think the only explanation for that is, as a practical matter, they said we better install Bush now, or else all hell's going to break loose. Right. Well, it's that's not a principal right. decision. Well, now they'll say, as a practical matter, we have to get these thieves out of office or have a new election or something. Well, I mean, there's also the fact in this case that, as I've said, that, that you know the the, the uh, Bush uh, Trump's lawyers never even alleged in court You're, that there had been that there had been fraud. This is a hypothetical, Bob. Right. You're changing the hypothetical. The hypothetical is it is proven. It's a hypothetical. It's not what happened. Okay? It's not. No, we're we're arguing, and I think you're probably right that the court would do nothing. I just think it, 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 we can't just say right off the bat, "Oh, this would never happen." And, and I would like, but some, see the the reason some, some legal weirdos to come up with to, to see if there really is no remedy if we have a stolen election, if if the mafia takes over America through but, bribery and changing the voting machines, we have to live with them for four years unless we can impeach them. But see, as a rule, your tweets and utterances in general are very much driven by your political agenda. I mean, what did you start this conversation talking about? Mickey wants a tea party. Mickey wants a tea party. And that's, and you know, you don't sit around pondering the mind-body problem. Your tweets are very politically motivated. How do you motivated. know, Bob? 
<laughs> well, I, we've been doing this a year and you haven't brought it up. And um, it, which is actually kind of insulting because I'm, you know, with all the humility, I think I have about as much insight as, as any contemporary thinker into the mind body problem. I'm a Bob Wright disciple of the mind body problem. I think, I think consciousness is a miracle. Is that the, the Bob Wright, uh, party <laughs> uh, line? That's one way you could put part of it. Um, so, so um, anyway, so, uh, uh, you know, I accept your authority. I was just looking for the equivalent legal authority, the Bob Wright of the law, uh, who is not Charlie Cook, to uh, to say, uh, you know, it's just an interesting question. It's just pure speculation. Now, what do you think about this uh, Israel thing that's getting so much attention? We may be finally done with Bibi. I don't know what that means. As you know, it's it, not my area of expertise. It means nothing. You can skip it. I mean, on the issue <laughs> that, that gets most of the press in America in terms of Israel, I mean, there are lots of issues that Israelis care about that we don't hear much about, and that's one thing. But in terms of Israel-Palestine, which eats up most of the Israel-related news uh, in America, it makes no difference whatsoever. I mean, uh, Bennett is even further right than BB, and left to his own devices might immediately annex large chunks of the West Bank. But because he's in this bizarro coalition, he can't get away with that. So we, th- there we will don't be no know change. if it's actually going to happen. Uh, it's not quite a completely done deal. It, it's like you know, BB just needs to buy off one politician. But but they have signed the papers. I mean, the, the parties have all committed to the coalition. It's a question of whether uh, BB can reach in and steal a politician from one of the parties right. who will abandon the party. Right. Do you think that? Um, do you think it's a coincidence that Iran's largest warship sank? Uh, no, this worries me. Well, not only that, but I mean, refineries are blowing up in Iran and stuff. I, I was wondering if it was BB's like last ditch attempt to, to to start a war with Iran, which would probably keep him in office, uh, well, or do something like that. Well, and I was wondering, in any event, will this, I mean, if you assume that some or all of this is being done by Israel, will it subside once we have uh, new leadership? I don't know the answer, but it's getting a little old, and but, and I wish, I wish Biden would read him the fucking riot it, act if he is be, the one behind it. It could be driven by Bibi's desire to remain in office, or it could be driven by Israel's desire to sabotage the Iran deal, which is apparently going swimmingly, uh, which would means it would persist after Bibi leaves. Well, or persist until the Iran deal is done, uh, which some people think there will be some kind of tentative agreement next week. Others don't. But uh, I assume they're rushing to do it before these elections. Is that the theory? Well, the elections, uh, I think the the truer deadline. I mean, now that the uh, this council in Iran has narrowed the field of candidates to a bunch of uh, conservatives, the main drama well, there is not much – I don't know if there's much drama in the election. I mean, I think the, – the, so, so the deadline becomes more like the day that this administration would leave office, office which is sometime in August. Um, um, huh. OK. Um, so I claim you owe me – you're going to owe me an apology. I'll just do it in advance. And, Mickey, and I just want to say good. that if I've ever done anything that hurts you yeah, I or – you know, I was, I was worried you were going to be cranky like last week, but you're you've been drinking your turmeric soothing tea also, I guess. It's chamomile. Uh, hey, that's what you should call your new political party. Hey, wait, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> the chamomile party. Yeah, because you want it to be anti woke, 
and a tea party. Chamomile <laughs> is said to be conducive to sleep, right? The chamomile the party. The go back to sleep party. Anti-woke. That's anti-woke. I could get it's, Ariana Huffington to delete it. She's a believer in sleep. She is she ever? There you go. Um, um, no, go ahead. Flesh this out. You're on a roll. What were we talking? No, you were about to demand that I apologize. And you I want to say if I have ever damaged party. your sense of self-worth. Well, it's a self-evidently great idea. You want it to be anti-woke and have some reference to tea so we can, okay. we can, you know, keep going with these brew. Okay. These, okay. you know, insert brew in every other, uh. And that was about, that was an accident. Um. You did the, it several times. Go back and check the videotape. It was still an accident. Um. The, uh, so, uh, you gave me you, you gave me shit about the lab leak hypothesis. Fine, we've talked about that. You also gave I me didn't shit. give you shit about that. You now you owe me an apology. Yeah, you, 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 I accept. You also, I accept. It's No, really, it's nothing. It's fine. I, I'm, over, I'm totally over it. Don't worry. I'm over it. To the idea, I'm over that, it. You don't need to apologize. Okay. okay. You were hostile to the. I'm certainly not going to apologize to you on that. The, the hostile. You were hostile to the idea. That China was wildly under uh, under uh, announcing the number of deaths in Wuhan, and now oh. we, there, 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 there's uh, evidence is emerging that that is in fact true. In one of Fauci's emails, there's some professor who says, you know, my my friends who wander around Wuhan said body bags are stacked up at every corner. That the Chinese are obviously uh, lying about this, uh, and uh, there's something in the Economist saying that. Their data, which I couldn't read because it's behind a paywall, shows that uh, the Chinese are lying about this. And it seems possible that Ch China just they're making up a number that shows they have control of the virus that bears no relation to reality at all. And if that happens, you are going to you have to apologize or else I'm going to have to go back and dig through hundreds of hours of tape to find the portion where you give me grief about this. That you are going to have to do. Because <laughs> I have no recollection. I'm not saying I didn't. I'm just saying I'd like to see you spend your time that way. Um, <laughs> I'm the, thinking about the mind-body problem. I don't have time for that. One thing about this lab leak thing is, uh, you know, I really think uh, one way to think of it is if there is a culprit, if there's been a cover-up, it has definitely involved American scientists. I don't mean they've like knowingly lied about it, but if you look at the reasons, I've said this before, but if you look at the reasons it was kind of uh, pushed to the margins from the beginning, some prominent American scientists who had a vested interest in not raising questions about gain-of-function research or gain-of-function research in this particular lab, because they were involved in that, they were influential in pushing this thing to the right. margins. And I, and I think this is a more like globalized thing than people realize. It's like it's Chinese scientists and American scientists. And, and, and that's, you know, science is a very international community. And uh, the, the, the thing with Fauci's emails is he knew that they were uh, people were going to get them. They were going to be public under FOIA. You know, you talk to somebody in the White House, they, they all know that all their emails are foiable. Uh, it's incredible that they were released this quickly. I mean, Fauci's still there. How can he possibly do his job when things he wrote last year become public within a year? It's, it's, so he's obviously not telling the truth. You have to read between the lines here. Uh, you know, he's not going to state, uh, I am trying to squelch this rumor, uh, or that I'm not trying to squelch this rumor. He's going to be very civil and say, thank you for your input and, 
And so people were, 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 you know, he was very, he was open and seemingly receptive to the lab leak hypothesis, but who knows what he was actually doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to be a very political guy. Um, the, uh, as, as, um, as some, as your, your, uh, your emissary to the far right, Bob, at least I, I read that's, those people. That's your job and you do you, it well. You know, you know that the Pangolins are making a comeback on the far right. Isn't uh, it Pangolin? Didn't we decide you pronounce Pangolin, it? Pangolin, okay. Pangolin. Are they? <laughs> the, no, Wait. Just the, no, but I mean, I, has the far right come all the way around back to Pangolins? No, they've gone beyond that. They're, first, they're, they're, there's, there's this guy, there's this local right-wing columnist named David Cole Stein, who um, has a very interesting history, uh, but he's been on a roll lately. He's been on fire, uh, and he's pointing up all the things that uh that uh all the evidence that 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 there is for the pangolin pangolin is pangolin anyway the the zoonotic i I don't even know how to pronounce zoonotic either the animal theory of the wet markets they discovered you know it in six percent of the samples that they took in the wet market which is apparently a huge number Mm -hmm. so it's all over the damn wet market and, and it's not it's it's not in the places where you would expect if it was transmitted from humans to the wet market. It's from the animal entrails in the sewers of the wet market. So um, th- there's that there's that powerful evidence, and there's um right, but uh, it still could have started in the lab, and then and then uh, well, I see what you mean. And, okay, the pangolin, the, the pangolin meat itself. Yeah, okay, now why you're would why would China be caught so unawares if it was a lab leak? I mean, uh, you know, my friends who were in India. Uh, maybe they were, maybe the Chinese a horrible regime, but they let 5 million people leave Wuhan and travel around the world spreading this virus before they got it under control. If it was sort of their baby, you would think they would have reacted better. So wait, uh, if, is, is so, this pangolin evidence solid that there was a lot of it in the, you're saying in the Apparently that's solid, yeah. But, the, you know, we don't know well, how it got there, but, but that is solid. Uh, there's a... Well, is it this very virus? It's, it's, they've sequenced it? I don't know that. There I mean, was, if it um, is, it's and it's in a bunch of pangolin flesh. No, no, they, that, I, don't, that was, they, I don't think they. I think it's just sort of innards of animals. Uh, I don't know what surfaces they. I don't know what they sample in the wet market, but the wet market idea. They haven't found the, the the intermediary animal yet. That's one of the problems. But they have, you know, they have uh, they yeah, have this evidence for the wet market. But wait, the right is now moving even further right. To the Ron Un's theory, which is basically jives with China, which China no longer pushes the wet market, or they don't, they never push the wet market. They think it's from an American military exercise. Uh, I think in they're Wuhan. trolling when they say that, but okay, they've said Wait, it. But, but, but I don't but, think they've but, said it officially, have they? Or have but, they? But there are people on the right who are buying that, who who say that, oh, uh, cool. who claim that, um, uh, you know, that uh, the evil Fauci somehow. Got this uh, virus uh, through the CIA and introduced it into China through these exercises, uh, and somehow intending to infect the leaders of Iran. Beats the hell out of me. Wait, 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 wait! But, uh, run by that again. <laughs> wait, how does that go? I la- I lapsed. I was thinking about Ron Unz. I didn't I realize didn't, I didn't read the whole Ron Unz piece. I didn't have time, so you'd have to look at the Ron Unz piece. If, uh, but it's somehow that's, that's also involved. UNZ, in, folks. It's somehow He's... also involved infecting. Uh, 
infecting the leaders of Iran, uh, which uh, intentionally, sort of CIA-wise. CIA um, this is and, so crackpot. So really, this is, this so is right beyond parody. Sort of it's so crazy. full circle to uh, half agreeing with China. See, um, I never thought of Ron Unz as actually crazy before, but I'm 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 getting there. Um, um, well, the 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 stuff about the protocols of the elders of Zion didn't convince you. What is he? Is he? I, I think well, I he, I don't know. He follows. He's an independent thinker. He follows. Is he, his is he not? He is he not Jewish? I don't know if he's Jewish. Uh, does it matter? I mean, Jewish well, people can. Matters he, a little. He, I, mean, most, just, most I mean, people, most people, most people who buy the elders of the, pro, you know, he have doesn't been buy not, the elders. He doesn't buy the elders of the protocols of well, Zion. He, but I what, think what? Then I what? I think he wrote a piece. I, I, I may be characterizing it wrong. I think he wrote a piece saying, you know, there were, there were some, there were strength, elders, <laughs> there were some elders that drank the blood of Gentiles. <laughs> you know, the, you know, there was some evidence for that. Um, so it was a very, very. Uh, how to say uh, bannable, cancelable piece, and this is like nothing compared to that. Yeah, but, but he, I, I'm he, I'm sure he's the same run-ons as ever, which he's he's very very smart. He goes places no man dares to go. Uh, he started and, uh, out as you know, an, one of these days he's going to come up with something that nobody else has come up with. That's right. He started out as an anti-English as a second language crusader, right? He no, he was a. He was an ant. He 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 start. He's very pro-immigrant. Okay, but he he made his name as an pro-immigrant, anti-bilingual activist in California. Well, that's what I mean. And he was very successful. He was anti-ESL curriculum in the public schools, right? I don't know what English as a secondary language means. Well, maybe I've got it, was, it wrong, but yeah, anti, he, maybe he maybe anti, you're right. Maybe you're right. He yeah. was anti-bilingual. Bilingual is a better. He succeeded. He's an assimilationist. He succeeded for a number of years. In, uh, in, 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 in formally getting this out of the California public schools. And now that the Democrats have a one party state, they are reinstating it. And his biggest allies were the Latina parents mm-hmm. who wanted their kids to learn English so that they could get ahead. So, um, uh, he, he performed a valuable public service there. Then he had this plan to, uh, he was going to, he had a very efficient way he devised to get all the contacts from all little magazines and put them up cheaply on the web. And he seems to have run into two problems there. One is uh, the magazines denied permission to him to yeah. get into their archives. And the second is Google Google can do the same thing, if not more efficiently. That, that, it doesn't matter. Google has so much money they can do it anyway. That's the one time I met him. It was at a lunch with him and Rick Hertzberg, and he was pitching that idea. Yeah. And, um, and then he started the UNS Review where right. he publishes various uh, bannable people like Steve so he's Saylor. not a, he's not a Trumpist. He kind he's, he's such a Trumpist that he may not be a Trumpist. I, the answer is uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I, what I, else? I doubt I doubt he is wildly pro-Trump. He's the sort of guy who would not be wildly pro-Trump. Do you have a view on Naomi Osaka? I had a take on Naomi Osaka. Have you forgotten? It's a take which turned out to be what? Let her play tennis. Why should she have to go to a Fucking press conference. No, I, I think the answer they give you is she signed a contract. I think they all signed well, a contract. Sewer. Yeah. Sewer. Sewer, but don't keep her out of the tournament. The tournament's supposed to be well, about they didn't playing keep, tennis. Mickey, they didn't keep her out of the tournament. Yeah, they they just said they were going to fine her. And they were threatening and, to ban and her. She, and she dropped out of the tournament in response. I think they were threatening to ban her. 
No, they weren't. Not even close. Are you kidding? Really? I thought that's what was happening. No, she's like the big thing in women's tennis. No, no, no. All they did is yeah, they, 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 they levied they a the fine. Okay, we can, we, can, they, we can check the record, and in the parrot room, we will know what the truth is. I think okay, they I'm writing the down fine. on the parrot room list, Naomi Osaka. I will quickly say... Um, but was that your line, or what was your line? I have a different line. No, I, I mean, I, I my, my view is it, it certainly should... Okay, so they've all signed these contracts that they have to do, uh, um, uh, you know, the press conference. I would say if somebody refuses to sign the contract, they shouldn't be banned from tennis. Nobody, no organization should have that kind of power. I mean, I mean. But they obviously do have that power. That's, well, that's no, no, they, well, that's not clear. The contract, but should the contract exist? No, it should be about tennis, not PR. Okay, but see, here's what I think happened is she did sign the contract. If you want to put that system to the test, then you have to have somebody saying, I'm not going to sign your contract. I still want to be in your tournament. That hasn't happened. Now, if they said I, no to her then, I think she'd have a hell of an antitrust suit on her hands. I, I, I don't know what happens if you're a really good tennis player and you just show up and qualify for the qualify for the tournament, but you don't sign the contract. What happens? I think the thing is they start si- they all start signing the contracts before they're famous and powerful. And and so everybody signs the contracts. Yeah. I don't but know. It, the result is that a, a, a tournament that seems to be run more for the bureaucrats that run it and the advertisers as opposed – and it's based on this premise that it's picking the best tennis players in the world. But it's not really. It's picking the best tennis players who are willing to do all this elaborate PR bullshit. Yeah, but there's no there's no great tennis players aren't willing to do that. They all sign the contract well, and they all show we up. we now know an exception. Now there's an exception. It's getting interesting. And, and yeah. she's saying, you know, she's a true introvert and even that, you know, she's had mental health issues. I don't – I mean, she says she's been depressed. I don't see how somebody could maintain their game at that level and be depressed in the actual clinical sense. I really don't. I mean, you got to get up every day and work like hell to stay at that level. But – Well, we don't the, – the, the more plausible explanation was uh, was she was practicing positive thinking. In other words – you know, she hasn't done well on clay. She's going to go to this press conference and get a lot of shit from reporters who are going to be negative about her ability on clay. And she's going to doubt herself. One way to do that, to deal with that, is just to wall it all off and, you know, only listen to your through your headphones to positive thoughts about how great you are. And that's one technique for improving your performance. And that's what she's sort of uh, that's the technique she's wanted to pursue. And this whole de- depression thing was a cover for that. But I think she she should be able to do that. That's a you know sequestering yeah. yourself until the day of the match. It's a tried and true technique. Why can't she do that? Well, I don't think she's making up the depression stuff. I just think she's not using the term in the clinical sense. Uh, I I don't I don't depression and anxiety is this is I think more common. It's it, I think you know among like millennials and Zoomers. The two words are very commonly put together. It's like a it's like a super co- common right. syndrome that people think of themselves as having. Right. Um, whereas with our generation, I think it was more like one or the other. I don't know. I mean, uh, depression and, or depression or anxiety. Yeah, and more often just anxiety. Anxiety seems to me the curse of our generation. At least if you listen to what people say. Yeah. Anyway, speak uh, for yourself. Uh, um, the the do you not suffer from anxiety? Maybe I could help. I suffer from anxiety, and I'm a slightly depressive person. I always look at the dark side of things. We'll um, pursue this so, in the in so, the, in and, the so, uh, but you know, the, apparently in Formula One, they have to do 
even worse than that. Apparently, they're required to participate in, like, absurd game shows. Somehow, I don't see Lewis Hamilton, a man of great dignity, uh, you know, being dunked in a game show. But if, you know, if they tell me he does it, that's fine. But, the, you know, in Formula One, they have to somehow figure out a way to finance these incredibly expensive machines they race, okay? In tennis, you don't have to do that. You have to show up with a racket, okay? You should be able to just show up with a racket and not have to uh, do your part to... Uh, you know, to boost the sponsors if you don't want to. Um, wait. Anyway, that's well, but they but they do want the money. They want the prize money. They they. I mean, they should take away. They should they, take away her money. Fine. Well, that's exactly what they did. They fined her. That's what they did. They said we want to take away your money. Not uh, not that much of it uh, by her standards. I well, think it was get, a tens of thousands this of gets dollars. To the, this gets to the issue of my impression is she said fifteen thousand dollars. Huh. Uh, you know, that's nothing to me, and she paid it, and they figured that they have to take more drastic action, and they were threatening to exclude her from the tournament. Well, maybe maybe you're right. It is nothing to her, $15,000. But I don't think you are. Anyway, by the um, time we get to the parrot room, we'll have gotten to the bottom of this, and one of us will be eating crow, and I got news for you. It may not be me. One more connection between this story and us, Mickey. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. There was a time when tennis players weren't compelled to show up and do press conferences if they didn't feel like it. You could be, or to take golf, like Ben Hogan. I mean, Ben Hogan, they said like, I mean, he never said anything. They said you could play a whole round of golf with him, and the most complex sentence you'd hear him utter is, you're away. That's an inside joke for golfers. Um, but the uh, there was a time when they didn't have to do this. And Mickey, there was a time in journalism which you and I recall when journalists were not expected to promote their work. Remember those days? Well, I, I claim that the halcyon days of blogging, which Trump unfortunately missed, were uh, the days when the search engine did all the promotion for you and you didn't have to promote it. Then it was supplanted by the era where you had to get links from more prominent bloggers and you did have to promote yourself. I mean, Ben Smith thinks this is the heyday of blogging when he had to write a little suck up notes to people. Hey, can you link to me? Can you link to me? Can you link to me? And I claim that that's when blogging went all to hell because then you did have to promote yourself. There started to be like you would write the piece and instead of just going to sleep, you would have to spend another hour and a half, you know, promoting it, sending it out, doing all sorts of bullshit with hashtags or whatever it was that. You know, and, okay, um, but I think we're conflating variables here. I mean, okay, so you're having to promote your own blog is a function of it being your blog. That's a function of it. You not like working for some magazine that has its own PR apparatus. Okay, like if you'd started your own old-fashioned magazine, you'd still have to send shit out and work hard to get attention. That would be life for the for the you right. know individual proprietor. But what's new now with social media is that. A magazine's decision to hire you or not will depend partly on how an effective a promoter, you know, how many Twitter followers you have. If you have a million, they're much more interested in having you write for them than if you have 10,000 and you are implicitly expected to promote uh, your work. When we were at the New Republic, it was such a great feeling. You would hand in your piece. It would get edited. The issue would come out. Time to go get a beer. Or whatever. No, I, remember, I distinctly remember Mike Kinsley saying, oh, if you were a, a, a good piece, which happened like once in a blue moon, he would say, okay, you could spend half a day promoting this. Wait, what does and that I even did, mean? What did promoting it even mean then? 
I forget. It's weird. I mean, well, I I'll guess tell my, you what. I mean, they, they had a they had a PR I, person, Marina, whose job was to get you on radio shows, right. and and if she did, she would. But but this is different. This is like you you know. I mean, usually you wouldn't hear from Marina. It would just be you hand the piece in. You're done. Goodbye. Now like, it's like you're supposed to you do, you post the piece and then you you got to go to Twitter. I mean, not I guess, that I would know. I don't write for. I like, guess you send it around. You would you would write gratuitous op eds based on it. Uh, it's not that you were trying to start controversy, or obviously that was good, but it wasn't like now where you purposely try to you know. You didn't people. send pieces around. There was around? something I did for half a day that promoted a print piece. What with I, I did, fax oh I know we had, we had a copy of the piece and you sent it to influential people. So you'd send your piece to Anthony Lewis, what, okay? By Pony Express? What? Yes. <laughs> I by, think. What, by that must have been the way. That must have been the way I never did that shit. And you I wrote, a and look, Mickey, Mickey. You have a little I, note saying. I wrote cover Tony, stories. I thought you might be interested in this. Mickey. Go ahead. I wrote. I, 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 let me finish my self-aggrandizing sentence. I wrote cover stories for Time in the Atlantic. I never had to do that shit. Now, they would say, if we book you on a radio thing, will you will you be there? And you'd usually say, yeah, and it might happen. But it, it just this is a different world, and, and I maintain it's leading to a different kind of journalist. It's a different sensibility. Oh, of the course. Pers- the person who is this 24-7 great self-promoter who's like really got the, the Twitter algorithm figured out, that's different from a good journalist. They're not the same. And even if you even if it doesn't do that, I mean, it's a double-edged sword because, uh, A, their Twitter feed is a better source of news than what they write for the newspaper. And, uh, and B, uh, you, it's hard to discipline them because they're, they're, they're big enough to tell you to go screw yourself. And C, they eventually get so big that they start their own Substack and make $500,000 a year. So, uh, you know, they, Dean Baquet at the New York Times has had, uh, horrible problems, uh, rating in the tweeting of his uh, people. And, uh, I think he's pretty much failed. I mean, this woman who said we can't believe the lab leak theory. I hope we stop writing about the lab leak theory because it's racist. She's still on the beach. She had an annoying story today. He obviously <laughs> has not disciplined her for doing that. I don't think. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, but it's it's you know it's it's not it's not like the the the, the newspapers are a hundred percent for this. They sort of had to accept it as a as a way to maximize revenue. Right. Anyway, it's a different world. I don't want to sound like a cranky old person, but you got to give it to me. I'm not as cranky as I was last week. No, you're, you're, you're. I'm a breath of fresh air compared to last week. Positively Pacific. But you know what? Um, I'll tell you, I think the cranky formula may work. You know, we picked up some, some, uh, parrot room. Oh, people like cranky. Last week. Yeah, no, I think, I think like the source of drama of this show would be, ooh, what kind of mood will Bob be in this week? You know, right. like, will he be throwing shit? Will he be, you know? <laughs> Uh, you have to crank it up a bit. Take the madness up a level. Um, so I had this, um, I started this, I did this classical Twitter thing, which is I started a crusade before I really knew what I was talking about on Twitter. Uh, against, <laughs> no one's ever you know, done that on supposedly, Twitter <laughs> Supposedly Chuck Schumer's big priority is uh, one of them, one of the two, one of them's being anti-China, the other is uh, uh being the sort of George Washington, Johnny Appleseed of the shift to electric cars. And my line living in California where there are electric cars everywhere and charging stations everywhere is the shift is happening without Chuck Schumer. 
Chuck Schumer wants to just to spend billions of federal dollars so he can say, hey, I uh, produced the transition. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of their dangers in that you can the government can intervene and, and, and impose the solution that is suboptimal. The classic example, to my mind, is Obama wanted to shift to he- electronic health records, which is a good thing. But he promoted this one particular software run by this one particular woman that all the doctors hate. So the result is we've standardized nationally a, a, a you know a, a a crappy form of software. Whereas if it was allowed to bubble up organically, they would have figured out what's worked. So I, I I'm right about this, I think. But I thought that the current proliferation of charging stations was unsubsidized. In fact, it has been subsidized by the state government. Uh, I still think it's going to happen, even if it's unsubsidized. But there's certainly no need for, I don't think, for federal subsidies there. They're going to be making billions of electric, of electric cars and people are going to drive them. They're going to want to have to charge them. The gas station is going to want their business. So they have a charging station. Fine, where instead but of getting you know, gas, you charge up. So that's going to happen. Yeah. But, but one thing now, now that all the big automakers have their EVs, you know, they all are, you've got a pretty powerful lobby for federal subsidies. And, and, and I think Chuck Schumer has never turned a deaf ear to the possibility of corporate supporters. But that's not honorable. That's just, that's, that's exactly <laughs> Chuck what I'm Schumer's saying. not honorable? There are a lot of big industries that want subsidies. So, uh. I'm just saying as a political know. matter, the, the strength of this argument is going to grow as a well, political Well, not only matter. does he get corporate support, but he gets to don the mantle of green leader. So yeah, gets, no, it's a it's a twofer. A visionary. Uh, it's a twofer. He can he can do photo ops with AOC. It's yeah, great. but I, and we don't, you know, it's not the highest and best use of a hundred billion dollars of the federal government's money. There are probably other things we could spend it on. The actual charging station part is only like twenty six billion or something, twenty three billion. Well, that part is like the best argument for government billion. support. But no, the, I think the best argument for government support is somehow securing the rare metals that we'll need for batteries and crap like that. Um, well, okay, but I mean, I mean, the best. Well, but I mean, the idea that the idea that I mean, how much does it cost to put in a gas pump? It costs one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars to put in one of these charging stations. It's got to cost at least that much to put in a gas pump, and yet gas stations seem to put in gas pumps all the time using private money because they want to attract the business. I mean. Right. I'm just saying if you did want to, as a matter of national policy, really scale up the use of EVs, uh, building that infrastructure would seem to me to be a point where you could intervene at relatively co- low cost in a way that would uh, make make it much more appealing. Because I think a lot of people well, are, are, are afraid of getting stranded. They are. But, the, you know, but the automakers, if you're Ford and you're planning to be all electric and selling, you know, millions of electric cars a year – you're going to make sure that that network is there. And it's just not that expensive to put it in. It's not like it's not going to happen. I, well, I right. agree there's an externality there. There's a theoretical there is, argument. That's the point. No, that's exactly the point. There's a theoretical argument for speeding it up, but there's a great cost of speeding it up, which is federal control by bureaucrats yeah. can be bad. No, no, but, but, but again, just, just to be clear on the externality and the, and the collective action problem, it is not in Ford's interest to build charging stations that can also be used by Teslas. You know, it's like, and, and if they are, and if those are the only kind that are being built, it's in every car maker's interest to sit back and let the other car makers pay for the building but of them. It's a I collective mean, action problem. And that's well, there, when government, it makes sense for government with, to step in. There's a similar problem with computer plugs. I mean, 
uh, yet most of the industry, except for Apple, seems to have set on a standardized form of. No, that's plug different. That's that a standardization. Well, this yeah, but, is a standardization problem. We have yeah, but to it's also a pay the what, cost what the of construction is. problem. I'm telling you, it is not. Uh, you know, I, I just think. So we've moved on from the standardization problem. I mean, gas stations. Well, they're related will find but separate problems. To, I mean, let's assume the standardization problem has been solved. It still is not in the interest uh, of any, but maybe the most dominant in the market to actually uh, pay for these things. It's in everyone's interest to sit well, back and wait for everybody else to build well, them. Um, somehow the market usually gets it together. The, the, if Ford wants to start have a network of chargers that are like a private club and you have to drive a Ford to get in, they're free to do that. That's What's so bad about that? That would be and, a very inefficient outcome if that happened. Well, the, the, but I think eventually the companies will realize it's an inefficient outcome. And, and, and why do we have gas stations? We have a ga- gas stations because it's an inefficient outcome. And we'll have gas stations that are now charging stations. I, I just don't see that as – it's not like a huge earth-shaking thing that we have to, you know, eliminate the filibuster in order to, to get, you know? Uh, I don't recall. I agree that there's that. an externality. But, you know, all the, 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 you know there, I guarantee you people around here – have internalized the externality. I mean, they want electric cars. There's a huge demand for electric cars. Yeah, but that's so a like cheap. That, that's like they just want to be cool. This, this is California. You're right, in well, California. They want well, and 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 what happens in Southern California? You know, in a year, people in Oklahoma will want to be cool too. Maybe not Oklahoma, but uh, careful, man. You're talking about your base. No, I'm talking about the oil patch. So maybe they, maybe it'll get adopted there. Also, last. I was born in Oklahoma, so be careful on those grounds. It's got a lot to answer for. Um, anyway, I I I I, um, I still think it's it's a there, there's a lot of crap in the infrastructure bill, and if we cared about wasting federal money, which maybe we don't anymore, uh, we could, you could make a big deal of it. Okay, so we've been talking for well over an hour, Mickey. Uh, uh, I would like to um, note that the congressionally mandated federal report on UFOs has been leaked to the New York Times or some of the findings, and they're not very interesting, at least to summarize by the New York Times. They we can t- basically seem to said, you know, but they ruled out that it was one of ours. That it's, it's not a project. It's not well, an but Area here's, 51 but actually, actually, uh, this, project, this, no? this is, I mean, maybe this level of getting into the weeds, I should say, for the parrot room. I do want to talk about UFOs in the parrot room. But actually, this paragraph in the Times piece doesn't make sense. It says, the, this is the second paragraph. So you have to listen carefully to see it not making sense. But it says, the report determines that a vast majority of more than 120 incidents. Not all incidents. Okay, it says, the report determines that a vast majority of more than 120 incidents over the past two decades did not originate from any American military or other advanced U.S. government technology. That determination would appear to eliminate the possibility that Navy pilots who reported seeing unexplained aircraft might have encountered programs the government meant to keep secret. It absolutely doesn't eliminate that possibility. If it, you know, you would have, you would have had to say uh, the, your first sentence would have to be different. Um, Mickey, yeah. this is the second paragraph of like a, a big New York Times piece. Need I need I spend more time lamenting the state of journalism? Well, the the it, it doesn't was make any sense. It was obviously leaked to the Times by people who had an interest in having it disprove the UFO theory, and the reporters obligingly 
doesn't have to be an explicit quid pro quo, gave it a spin that the people who leaked it to them uh, would like. And yes, they, they managed to contradict themselves and produce an incoherent paragraph in the well, process. Well, the, the lead paragraph is they found no evidence that aerial phenomena or alien spacecraft. Uh, and, of course, I mean, how would they? But, uh, I mean, no, I guess they could. Anyway, that's... I, I want to talk more about UFO. I, I've looked into the UFO thing uh, a little more in the parrot room. The New York I mean, Times isn't I, I what it used to be, Bob. You're telling me. Of course, the other thing is they they may have had to worry. You would think somebody gave them this as an exclusive leak, and they and they, and they didn't have to worry about rushing a a half ass piece out. But this is um, a pretty half ass. When your second paragraph doesn't it, make it, any sense, everybody knew it was coming out soon, and every and everybody was about to get their hands on it. So I think. See, I wondered if there was an agenda behind the leak per se, or this was just somebody doing a favor for a Times reporter in expectation of getting a favor back. But I don't know. Um, Okay, so the 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 outlet that's really gone all to hell is NPR. I mean, they've they no longer even pretend that they're not the woke network. I mean, I listen to them because you should listen to the enemy, but they're they're you know. Oh, that reminds me. I want to talk to you about the Black Panthers. I want to talk to you about the Black Panthers in the parrot room because there's an NPR podcast called Through Line, and they had a, uh, one on the uh, Panthers. They also had one in Israel Palestine, which was uh, more more radical than you'd hear on NPR. I mean, N- NPR per se on Israel Palestine is still kind of careful and both sidesy, right. um, but uh, but but anyway, they did I, they did a Black Panthers uh, thing I listened to that I want to talk to you about in the parrot room. Anyway, they 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 had this series on on truth and democracy and reporting, you know, with panel discussions and. Uh, I listened to the first one just because I had absolutely nothing else to do. Uh, I was in a car, and uh, they admitted that after November, not after January 6th, but after November, they decided to switch to frankly say not that Trump is alleging fraud, but Trump is trying to steal a Democratic election. Uh, and that just seems like untenable to me. It's like covering a murder trial where you say, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Mickey Kouse accused of murder is trying to get away with murder. You know, he, well, like, he murdered somebody. He's trying to get away with murder. Look, no, the point of the trial is is to figure out who's, you know, if oh, he's look, you know, I'm old school here. I just say just report who's saying what. That reminds me. I also want to yeah. talk about the Uyghurs in the parrot room because I interviewed this guy who actually knows something about them. And I did a just the facts interview. And, and I think I'm a little clearer on uh, the charge of genocide and what uh, what facts lie are relevant to it. And, and um, it- yeah. Would the country be hurt if, if NPR just disappeared? I mean, the argument for it has always been that there are a vast swath of the let's, interior let's of the country. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that in the parrot yeah. room. I'm adding it to my list. By I don't the way, think it's pe- good, not good enough for the parrot room. People, okay, I'm just scratching it out. It's not, it's not good enough worthy. for the parrot room. It's not good enough for this. It's oh, wait, you're worthy. right. For a parrot room is premium content. You're right. It sucks. Well, also, it, it happens to be relevant to what we were talking about now. But okay, go ahead. Well, I'm just mindful of the time. We're at an hour and 15 minutes here, and, and we got we got a lot of taping to do. And it's you know, like Mickey, the, like as you may have noticed, deficit. we're not as young as we once were. It's like the budget deficit. People actually like the more, the more of it, the merrier now. Anyway, okay. Okay. Oh, but wait. So other things. Uh, so anyway, Parrot Room people can get to via patreon.com slash parrot room, and they can support us. 
which is a wonderful thing to do. Uh, other things. So I do want to say something about UFOs. I, I, I want to talk about there's a movie that for better or worse, we have both watched now, Idiocracy. We'll talk about that and try to reconstruct the uh, means by which we wound up watching it, <laughs> which I increasingly don't understand. I want to ask you a little bit about the Philadelphia sound. Does that mean anything to you? Sure. In music. Okay, good. I want to ask you because I want a crisp definition. There was a, there was a good Terry Gross thing. So, oh, by the way, did I say that the Uyghurs interview is on my podcast, The Right Show? If you want to hear the whole thing, um, it's uh, with a guy named David Brophy. The um, we said we'd talk about Na- Naomi Osaka. We we said we'd talk about NPR, but then I scratched it off because you said no, no. So that's in the uh, Twilight Zone. The, uh, uh, the um, uh, what, what else? Uh, apparently, you can be verified. Twitter verification. I haven't, tri- I haven't tried it yet, but I think uh, we have to talk about how we're going to get verified. Yeah, I would like to do that and and, and take the opportunity to trash Twitter uh, while we're at it. So let's. That's let's not going to get you verified. It's in the parrot room. Do you think Jack Dorsey should subscribe? I'll check the email list. Answered, if, if, he, if his email address is on the list, uh, I will not talk about it. He answers your emails, Bob. You're a big deal. He d he, I he I DM'd him once and he DM'd me back. He follows me on Twitter, I think. I'll, I should check. He's probably unfollowed me, but he did. Um. Anyway, so uh, so so what is there anything else you're going to talk about in the pair room, or is this all on me? Uh, I think it's all on you. You have to. If you're really cranky, maybe people will think they got their money's worth. Maybe I'll talk about Huawei's uh, counterattack. Um. Okay. Um. Uh, I want to. I want. I, I want to talk a little about JD Vance. Can't get too much. Perhaps. Perhaps the one person who can put together this Tea Party revolt oh. that uh, I'm talking about. You know? you know who else we could talk about as a possible Trump successor? Well, George P. Bush. P. The more you think about it, the more Ron DeSantis is totally in the sweet spot of. If you don't like Trump, but you like Trumpism, there's a lot to like about this guy, and not a whole lot to dislike. Uh, uh, so DeSantis, I, you mean? DeSantis yeah. himself? Okay. Yeah, Vance is behind him because Vance is barely running for Senate. He hasn't been elected or anything yet, and he may never be elected. But um, uh, but DeSantis is is you know he's totally perfectly positioned as far as I can see. So as in conclusion, as... <laughs> okay, I would like to beg people to uh, smash the like button on YouTube if they're watching YouTube, and to rate and review the Right Show, which this is. Uh, you just can't do too much of that. Have you ever rated and reviewed the right show, Mickey? No, I don't know. The rest of the right show may be not very good. I mean, I just I know told what we you. Do, but... I just told you we clarified the Uyghur situation. What well, the hell yeah, do you want a podcast to do? You, you maybe for all I know, you're you know talking to blobbers all day about how you know horrible and and this and this is. Tuesday uh, we're uh, I, I'm interviewing a, a Princeton anthropologist. I attacked in my newsletter. Oh, that is going to be good. Yeah. That'll be contentious. Battle Maybe. of the Titans. Cage Maybe. match. We'll see. I'm going to tape it Tuesday morning. We'll post it Tuesday. We'll see if you even show up this week. You'll probably have a black eye or something. He seems he seems rough on Twitter. I mean, he's got a... You should... Yes. Fashionably you should, long You hair. should show up with a black eye even if you don't have a black eye. I leave you in charge of the visual gags, Mickey. Uh, Okay. 
So you, um, you've got your bird poised. I mean, let's let's hear it and then we'll get out of here, okay? I mean, my bird is locked and loaded. Yeah. So, see you in the parrot room. That was the parrot, folks. Okay, we'll see you there. <laughs>